0: We're going to look at this idea of leading like Jesus, right? Rod asked me to speak a little while ago and he's like, I'm in this series. He's going to be going through, and one of the things with um, leading like Jesus is going to be serving, but I'm not going to touch that. I'm not going to touch that one because Rod already did that, right? He's done serve like Jesus, love like Jesus. What was last week's? Anybody know? I wasn't here, so I really don't know. It's not like a trick question. Truth like Jesus? What? Nobody knows. Glad you guys were here. So, I feel like right at home right now. Um oh, that's perfect. Uh I believe like Jesus? Okay. Was it was it worthwhile? Was it, should I listen to it online? Yeah, all right. So, how many of you realize people have expectations of you? Anybody realize that? Yeah. So like parents have expectations of their kids, right? Do some chores, get up on time, go to school, right? If you work for somebody, right? Your boss has expectations of you. Get to work, get to work on time, do this, do that, right? Everybody has expectations of other people. God also has expectations of you. Think about that for a second. God has expectations of you. In fact, Till the day you die, God has expectations of you. Let's go over what that expectation looks like. If we walk over here for a second. I have microphones. We have creation, right? So over here we have creation. God created the heavens and the earth. We have like plants, vegetation, birds, sky. Other stuff, right? Man, woman, whoa, man, right? So you have all this stuff's created, and God says what? It is good. And then what happens? The devil comes in, and he twists those things that are good. He introduces deception, devastation, introduces pain and suffering. He introduces all of these things that God said were good, and he introduces sin, and he introduces all these things that twist the truth and take us away from being close to God and drew us away from God. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus comes into that situation and he undoes what the devil has done. He begins to bring in grace and truth and love and mercy. He begins the saving of people and the delivering of people. And then this is what Jesus says. I am going to leave and you're going to do that. So if we're going to lead like Jesus, we have to listen to what he says. He says, I am going to leave. When I leave, you are going to do that. You're going to continue to do that which Jesus has done. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at this. Okay? John 14 says this. In John chapter 14, verses 12, says, if you... Um, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So Jesus says, look, I need you to understand, if you believe in me, you will do what I have been doing. So if you are a follower of Christ today and you're saying, look, I have given my life, there's no plan B. There's no like, well, I don't have to do what Jesus did. No, no, this is what Jesus has called us to do. If you believe in me, you will do the works I have been doing. You're going to continue to do what he's been doing. This one always threw me for a while, this idea of greater things. Like, How can we do greater things than Jesus did? How is that possible for us to do that? Right? Well, Jesus is one man in one location, right? He's fully God, fully man, but as a, as a man, He is in one place. When He dies, rises again, He sends the Holy Spirit to live inside of us to do greater things. Now we are able to deploy all over the world and share His Word with everyone, right? And we're able to do the things that He has done all around the world. Right? So through the Holy Spirit, we could do greater things. But how do we do that? It comes out of our connection with Him. Right? As it says, ask anything in my name and I'll do it. Right? As God wants to act on our behalf, but we have to be about His business. So these are the four things we're going to look at with leading like Jesus. Is we're going to look at Jesus led through prayer. Jesus led with vision. Jesus led through His pain. Some of you are in pain today and you want to escape, but Jesus will call you in the midst of your pain to lead. And Jesus led with words in action. This is not a comprehensive list, okay? So just so you know, I had dozens of these down of like different ways that Jesus has led, but these are the four that I feel like God's calling me to share with you guys today. There's all kinds of different ways you can look at the ways that Jesus led, but these are four that we're going to look at. Let's let's do this. Let's Let's pray. And then we're going to get into this. God, would you meet us this morning? Would you speak to us this morning? Would you awaken us to what you want us to do? Thank you, God, for being in this place. Please allow my words to be your words. Lord, help me to speak your word fearlessly as I should. In Jesus' name, amen. So what does it look like to lead like Jesus? What does that look like? First of all, some of us might say, well, I'm, I'm not a leader. All of us lead. Leader simple, a leader simply somebody who influences others, right? And we all influence someone. Whether you're a parent, right? You influence your kids, your your spouse. You know, uh, at, at work you could influence your coworkers. It doesn't matter what you do, we all lead someone. We all influence someone. That could be a positive way. It could be a negative way, right? So we might be a bad leader, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, uh, but we all influence people. So what's it look like to lead like Jesus wants us to lead? right? Jesus is by far the most exceptional leader the world has ever seen. Literally history changed, right? We have before Christ, then after Christ due to his birth. He changes history. His leadership is unmatched by anyone ever, period, right? Jesus's leadership is relevant for all seasons, all walks of life, everywhere. But we have to follow his leadership. So, one of the things that he did is he led through prayer, is he connected this way first. This verse I'm about to share with you has changed my life. I read it when I was 17 for the first time, and it changed me forever because I began to do the things for the first time in my life. I began to do the things that God had called me to do. So this is what it says in Mark one thirty five. And driving out demons. So because of his connection this way, he knew what to do, right? As he knew, I need to go preach in these synagogues. I need to drive out demons because he had connected to his father, right? Jesus said, I only do what I see my father in heaven doing, right? He doesn't just go do whatever he wants. He connects this way first and then he goes out right? We've got to connect this way before we know what to do this way. Does that make sense? Okay, but it's easier for us to go to people and say, what do you think of this situation? How do you think I should respond? Instead of going to God and going, you are the most exceptional at everything. I trust that you will lead me above all else. And then we go out. Jesus only does what he sees his Father in heaven doing. Here's why I think most people burn out in life, whether it's at a job, at work, in ministry, in families, is because people's expectations of us will overwhelm us to the point that we suffocate. God will never do that to us. This way first, right? When you go this way first and you say, well, I just need to meet the people's needs. Jesus didn't meet people's needs. That wasn't his primary, you know, call to action. He did what he saw his father in heaven doing and he did that. Right? If we try to meet people's needs, they're a ruthless, dictator that will never end they will keep demanding and demanding and demanding of you until you're totally burned out and god's like i never called you to do all those things you never listened to my voice you never connected with me here you just assumed i will go do these things and assume i will bless them i will get behind you and you burn yourself out instead of connecting here and then you listen to my voice and you go out and you do what i say Okay, hey, Let's keep going. Jesus led with vision. John chapter 13. Uh, Rod did such a, an extraordinary job of this a couple weeks ago when he talked about serving like Jesus. So I'm not going to unpack all of serving like Jesus, but this is John chapter 13. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So we got up from the meal, took off The outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. So Jesus, what's he do? He knows where he came from and where he was going. So Jesus knew his identity. The more you know whose you are, you're going to know what you're designed to do. But you've got to start with whose you are first. We live in a culture that wants to define our identity by the things that we do. Define our identity by things out here instead of our connection with God. God says, look, if you were a follower of Christ, you've been adopted into my family. You are now a child of God. As a child of God, that is where all of your identity flows from, right? We want our identity to be found in other things. And God's like, no, your identity is found in me. When you know whose you are, you'll know what to do. So connect this way, and God will set the tone for our life. He will show us the vision for our life. He'll reveal the plans for our life. So vision for leadership comes from knowing our identity. Vision for leadership comes from knowing our identity. Think about this. When when Pilate, who had the authority to decide whether Jesus would be crucified or free him, right, he's... Uh, literally hours away from being crucified. And this is what he says to Pilate in chapter 19 of of the book of John says, when Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. And he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. Well, do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have the power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Jesus knew who he was. He knew who where he came from, and where he was going. He knew the Father. And from knowing the Father, he knew that no man has power over his life. No person has power over your life. God has power over everything. If he wanted to take the air out of this room, he could take it out and we would be dead instantly. We are completely dead. Yeah, it would be scary. Uh so uh, <laughs> did not realize. Uh so uh so but God could do that instantly, and that would be it, right? We don't realize how dependent we are on God until something tragic happens. And for some of you, you need to know this more than anything else is that God can lead through your pain. You come here this morning. I know my wife and I, during certain times in our life, it feels like we can't even show up to church because if somebody says, how are you doing? We are literally just not going to be able to handle that question, right? In our brokenness, sometimes we just want to run. And some of you are here this morning and you're so broken, so defeated, and you just feel like I, I've got nothing and God can lead in the midst of your pain and use your pain as a unique opportunity for you to share God's love with somebody in the midst of your brokenness, trusting that in our weakness, he is strong and we want everything to be good so we could share. And God's like, I need you to be broken right now. I need to trust you to trust me that I have a plan in the midst of your brokenness to speak through you. And so Jesus, Matthew chapter 14 gives us a glimpse into how Jesus led in the midst of pain. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by a boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed, uh, There was such a large crowd, but he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. It's getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. So, and this is where Jesus feeds the, the 5,000 men with women and children. It's probably somewhere between 15 and 20,000 people. But why is it such a big deal that Jesus had compassion on these people? What's going on here that makes this a big deal? We have to back up just one verse, but I'll back up a couple verses so you could get it. The king was distressed. So this is right before the passage I just read. The king was distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he ordered that her request be granted and had John beheaded in prison. His head was brought on a platter and given to a girl who carried it to her mother. John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. The very next verse says, "...when Jesus heard what had happened." John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin. They grew up together. They were close. This is the one that baptized Jesus. This is the one that led the way to Jesus. Jesus finds out that day, just moments before, that his friend, his cousin, was murdered. All he wants to do is get away. That's all he wants to do. He just, he decides he's going to get away. Takes the disciples, let's go. Large crowds follow him and he has compassion on them, ministers to them, changes the lives of those people. The end of the day, we know he got away. Sent the disciples away on a boat. He goes on a hillside and prays. So what he wanted to do all day was just connect with his father. Just cry out to his father just weep, but he sees the people and he has compassion on them. In your brokenness, in your pain, you have unique opportunities to minister to people, to have compassion on people. It's in our brokenness that sometimes we can look around and we could see the pain and the hurt and the agony of others in a way that we can't when we're doing better, when when God's blessing everything around us, when we're having success, sometimes we don't have the perspective that God needs us to have. So we have to trust in the middle of our pain that God has a reason and he could use our weakness to bring about great things when we trust in him. Jesus led with words and action. Now, most of us will fall into one of these two categories. Like, we want words. Let's just talk about it. Let's teach about it. Let's have a Bible study about it. Let's go to class about it. Let's let's have words, right? And we're happy as long as we're talking about Jesus. And then all, others will fall, let's not talk about it. You know, like, who cares if, you know, I hear about it. I just want to do the things that God's called me to do, but I don't need to share you know, the gospel with anybody. I don't need to share what God's done for me. I don't need to tell my story, right? And we can fall on one of these two, but Jesus blends these two together. He takes our words and our actions and he calls us to lead with both. They don't get to stay in separate worlds. Jesus led with both actions and words. So we do the same. Let me give you an example of this. In Mark chapter two, verse 13 through 17 says, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. And he walked along. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him, And his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. We need to understand this. We need to understand that Jesus stood up for the hookers, for the homeless, for the homeless, for the hopeless, for those that were lost, that were broken, that were at, their, at, at the end of themselves. They had nothing left. And Jesus didn't just leave them there. He went after them. Right. He left the ninety nine to go after the one for the the prodigal son that just goes his own way and does his own thing and ends up getting drunk and um, carousing with women and just doing his own thing. The father doesn't just say, well, I lost that one. No. As soon as he sees the son in the distance, the father runs and he embraces his son. Right. He says, go kill a fattened calf. Let's celebrate for the son of mine was lost and now he's found. Let us rejoice. God rejoices over the one. Angels in heaven rejoice over the one that repent and say, I'm no longer just going to be about mouthing words. I'm going to put my words into action, put my faith into practice. I'm going to practice what I preach. I'm going to do what God calls me to do with my life. I'm going to live it out. I'm going to live it out. I'm going to stop just acting like I'm a Christian and I'm going to be the man or the woman that God's designed me to be. I'm going to do that in my family. I'm going to do that at my work. I'm going to do that wherever I go. Because I don't have an option if I'm going to say I'm a follower of Christ. There's no plan B that gets me off the hook. He calls me to go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them, teaching them everything I've commanded, right? How can you know what he's taught if we don't sit underneath his teaching and say, God, you're the greatest teacher there's ever been. Teach me. Help me to walk with you, to listen to you, to trust in you. God has great things. It takes you saying yes. A friend of mine, he, for me, like lives this out. Uh, it's a guy who led me to Christ that uh, that decided he, uh, you know, wasn't just going to say things, but he's going to live it out, both actions and words. And he's done that for years. He, I'll just say, um, he is a pastor and he likes to smoke cigars. Let's start there with this story. So, he decided when he was starting a church that he would go to the cigar shop every Saturday. That was going to be like his thing. And so he starts his church, um, but he's also, uh, without realizing it, starting another church. But um, spoiler alert, that's the end of the story. But uh, he goes to the cigar shop every day or every Saturday for two years, gets to know this group of guys really well, loves on them, um, without telling them he's praying for these guys. Well... Two years into this, they would shoot the breeze, talk stories, all kinds of stuff. Well, one of the guys, like in the, uh, the middle of one of their conversations, they're like, Travis, what do you do? Right? It's like, well, I can't tell you guys. They're like, no, nah, no, come on. And he's like, no, nah, if I tell you guys, everything will change. It's like, no, nah, come on, tell us. He's like, no, nah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you guys. It, the, and then they're all like, come on, you have to tell us. What do you do? He's like, listen, if I tell you it's going to change your perspective, not my perspective, everything's going to be the same for me, but for you, things are going to be different. And they're like, what? He's like, listen, let's just leave it. And they're like, no, tell us what you do. So he says, look, I'm a pastor. And literally they're like, what the, ah! you know, they're like, no, that is some serious, mm, right? And they're just like, all oh, no, there's no way that all these 12 guys were just like, ah, and then one of them was like, we're coming to your church. The first time I showed up at Travis's church, there's 12 guys and their families that are there and they had no idea they're in for like this crazy magic show message. All. First time they've ever come to church. They, they've never darkened the church door and here they are, you know, at Travis's church the first time I'm there, right? Because he loved on these guys without saying a word. The next three years went like this. Travis, would you come in and teach the things you've been teaching us at the cigar shop? For the last three years, he's been there every Saturday. And these guys are bringing everybody. They're like, dude, you got to hear this guy. Why? Because he loved them where they were, didn't demand that they change, just hung out with them. Right? But then his words and his actions lined up, and they knew. This guy didn't just show up day one and start mouthing words to them and not love them. He loved them, and because he loved them, they believed what he was sharing with them to be true. And so it's so cool seeing these lives changed, right? God can change stories of lives all around you as you live it out and say, God, I want to lead like you in my family. I want to lead like you in my work. I have no idea what that looks like. Would you show me, connect here? God, would you lead me wherever I am on the soccer field, at gymnastics, volleyball, high school, college, wherever you find yourself, God will lead you to places that you couldn't possibly dream of if you surrender daily to him. I'm going to have the band come up. They're going to lead us in worship. I'm actually going to have the prayer team join us as well. They're going to come up. They're going to pray for people. Here's what I want you to think about is if you're not living it out, or you're not sure how to live it out, you're not sure how to take that next step to say, I need to lead like Jesus. Yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I've been like privately just kind of doing things on my own. Privacy's good for a season, but for a long term, God's going to call you out of privacy and call you into public roles to lead, right? Leader's about influence. Who are you influencing? So with the prayer team, here's what I want you to think about. Is if you need prayer to say, God, I need help to live this out. I need help to lead these people. I need help just to say, yes, would you pray for me? The prayer team is going to pray for you and ask that God would do immeasurably more in your life. And God will show up and he will give you the strength and the power and the resources right god didn't call the the people that were qualified he qualified the people that were called and he gave them the ability that they needed as he called them you might feel completely inadequate but god will give you everything you need you've got to trust in him so just during worship come up here and the prayer team will pray over you they will Ask God to give you wisdom and to develop you and to be the leader that God's designed you to be. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would speak into our lives, that you would transform us, that you would teach us to lead like you, that we would no longer stay in the safety of the boat, but we would step out of the boat onto the water where you are to do the things that you have called us to do. Lord, there is no option B. Lord, you only give us one option, and that's to continue to do the work that you have done. Lord, we want to be about that this morning. As a church, we want to be about your work. We want to be involved where you're involved. Would you reveal yourself and where you're at work and help us to go where you go?